This sermon was recorded at the Church of Christ, Northwest Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, according to the New Testament. Come worship with us Sunday mornings at 1030 at 1708 Elm Springs Road in Springdale, Arkansas. Uh, This morning we're going to talk about Abraham and the Son of Promise. You know, we started a, a... somewhat of a series uh, when, when we talked about Adam and the image of God. Adam was created in God's image. Adam was uh, given responsibility to bear holiness and righteousness in this world and to have dominion, uh, he and Eve, over the world and to bear fruit and multiply. And their responsibility was to oversee this creation of God and to bring forth more holiness, more life, more righteousness. And yet they failed because of the temptation of Satan. comes along He tricks them into believing they could attain more power and become more than what they were created to be. And and from that time, we're plagued with these problems. We're in conflict with God. We want to change God into our own image. We want to change His commandments to suit our own uh, desires and and remove the consequences of disobedience. And we want to elevate ourselves to a position that does not belong to us. And, And to resolve this problem that was created by Adam and Eve, God made a promise in the garden. And and this he spoke to the serpent in Genesis 3.15. I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. God here prophesies and promises a specific person would come and crush the head of the serpent. And it would be the seed of the woman. A human life would come to correct this problem that humans caused. And so, after this fall, we see the story of the Bible begins to to focus. Uh, he promises here and then it, it gives us lineage leading up to Abraham. And then the story of the Bible begins to focus on Abraham and his family because God chose Abraham to bring about this, this special son that God had promised way back in the garden. And we see the promise that God makes to him when you get all the way over to Genesis chapter 12. In Genesis chapter 12, here's the promise that God made to Abraham. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed out of Haran. So God comes to Abraham and makes this promise. He's seventy-five years old at the time. And, and he promises to give him land, all the land there, as he, as he mentions there. Uh, and to make his name great, and to make a great nation out of them. Um, Something interesting to note when you consider what God told Adam, and then again what he told Noah, uh, for Adam he said, be fruitful and multiply. The charge was on them to, to fulfill that, be fruitful and multiply. When Noah comes out of the ark, which we've studied, Noah and the, and the ark, and the sim- symbolism there that represents the salvation of, of God rising, raising up the righteous uh, from death, uh, when they come out of the ark, God says, be fruitful and multiply. So the charge is on them to carry that. Well, here, when we get to Abraham, uh, the language changes, and God puts the responsibility on himself, and he says, I will make you great. I will multiply you. So there's a shift and a change in the language. Uh, I will multiply thee, God says. He also promises that through him, all families of the earth would be blessed. So there's just so, so there's these three parts to this promise. The land, making his, him a great nation, and making this uh, seed come through the line of Abraham. And in him all families of the earth will be blessed. The, the problem, though, here for Abraham, being 75 years old, is that he has no children at this point. And his wife, Sarai, is barren. She can't have children. Um, and she's 65 at this point. 
and it has, has had not, not had any children, and they can't have children. So how in the world could this possibly happen, and how could he possibly be the father of many nations when he has no children? In fact, he, he asks God about that, and he, he mentions a, a comment. Or he makes a comment as you go on uh, in the chapters of Genesis. God comes to him again and tries to reaffirm this blessing, and Abraham he says, oh, I don't have any children. In, in Genesis 15, he says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, or Abram, at this point is his name, in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Lord God, what would thou give me, seeing I go childless? What would thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. So Abraham acknowledges and, and uh, says this to God. He says, what will you give me? He made this promise. He's going to make his name great. But how? I don't have any children. And the steward of my house is a servant from Damascus. Not even my own lineage, my own family. And, and behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. God comes to him and says, Count the stars. Can you count them? He says, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. So God shows him the stars and says, Your seed is going to be as innumerable as the stars. That's how, how much and how big your lineage is going to be. And so here God reassures Abraham of this promise of being multiplied as a father of nations. And this promise will come to, to pass, and, and Abraham continues in, as you read through this chapter, and he says, how? How will I know that this is going to be true? So God instructs him to take some animals and divide them, and he does so making kind of a corridor here between these animals. And this was an ancient way of entering into a contract with somebody and into a covenant. And then we see that God passes through this, this sacrifice that Abraham has laid out. Uh, and it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. In the selfsame day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. So God himself passes through this, these pieces, these animals that have been sacrificed, and they're entering into a covenant. And the, the, uh, the connotation is that you're entering into this binding agreement, and if you break it, let me be as these animals cut in pieces, cut asunder. And, and so that's the idea here. So God is entering into this binding contract, this covenant with Abraham at this point. And so that's how we know, not only did God already make the promise to Abraham, this will happen, he now enters into a covenant with Abraham. And the book of Hebrews says that by two immutable things, it would be made known and he could have confidence. Uh, these two immutable things being his promise and this covenant now that he swears with Abraham and enters in. He is going to have a child from his own bowels, from his own family line. Well, 10 years pass from this time that God has issued this promise to him, and, and he's now entered and confirmed it with this covenant, but 10 years have passed, still no children. Abraham is 85 years old at this point. So, using human logic, his wife Sarah, Sarai decides that it's going to be a good idea to maybe help God out. Maybe God needs some help to bring this thing about. And so in Genesis 16, what we see happen is Sarah devises a plan to bring children about through a surrogate, one of her servants. In Genesis 16, chapter 2, and Sarah said, Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. 
I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to her husband, to Abraham, to Abram, to be his wife. And he went in unto her, Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Imagine how lifted up. You, you know these servants and all of Abraham's family knew that God had brought this promise to him and made this covenant. That through Abraham's line, all families of the earth would be blessed and he would be made this great nation. An innumerable company, or innumerable as the, the stars of the heavens and as the sand of the sea. And now Hagar is the one who is bearing Abraham's child. Imagine how lifted up she felt. She must have felt very, uh, very proud of this. And, and look at her. Sarah wasn't able to bear Abraham's children, but I am. I'm able to bear his seed. And so when she saw she conceived, she despised Sarah. And, and she kind of got lifted up. And that caused a lot of problems. And I think there's a lesson there, although we're not, this isn't really the point of the lesson. Problems happen when humans try to intervene with God's plan. Our ways just don't work. And we see that here. It caused so much chaos in their household and in their, in their family and in their, uh, in their home. It just caused problems. So <clears throat> time passes, 13 more years. Abraham's 86 years old when, uh, when Ishmael is born. This son from Hagar, the servant, she is a servant, she is a slave, and a child is born, this son of the servant. It's been 13 years now, and Abraham is 99 years old. He still has no son from his own wife, Sarah, but he has this Egyptian, uh, this one born from the Egyptian, Hagar, and he names him Ishmael. Yet, uh, again, he does not have a child with Sarah, who is 89 years old at this point in the story. 89. How in the world is an 89-year-old going to have a baby? That's Im impossible. That is humanly and physically impossible uh, by, by man's standards. And, but God comes the year before it takes place, and He reassures them that it's going to happen. This is going to take place. So Genesis chapter 17, God comes along. When Abram was 90, 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant with, between me and thee, and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy, thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. So God here comes to him the year before it happens, and he says, This is going to take place. I will make you a father of many nations. He changes his name, Abram, which means father, to Abraham, which means father of many nations. And, and this is, again, a way of God reaffirming and, and assuring Abraham of this promise that he will be a father of many nations. And he also gives Abraham instructions to show on Abraham's part how he is in covenant with God. And this is where he gives him the sign of the covenant, that, they are, that he is in a covenant with God. In, in verse 10, This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your seed after thee. Every man-child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall, be circ you shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. So God here gives them this sign of circumcision. 
So Abraham is circumcised, and Ishmael, his 13-year-old son, is circumcised, and all the servants in his house. And then from that, from that time forth, all the children that are born in the household and the family of Abraham are circumcised on the eighth day. And that's why the Israelites keep that, that tradition and, and uh, continue to do, th- do so throughout their history. And, and it was made part of the law um, because God gave that to them to show you are in the covenant. You are part of the covenant people of God. Um, at this point, Abraham pleads for Ishmael. He says, Behold, that Ishmael might live before thee. He's like, Here's a son. He's my son. Bring this promise through him. And God says, No. In, and Isaac shall thy seed be called. And God promises that, that Isaac is the son of promise, not this Ishmael. So then the time comes. A year passes, and Abraham is a hundred years old, and the son of promise is born. Genesis chapter 21. Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh, so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, Who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah would have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. What a, what a great triumph of, of this story. God promises it to them when he's 75. And finally now, when he's 100 years old, his wife, Sarah, brings forth this child. They've waited so long, 25 years. They've waited for this promise to come to pass. And here it is. And they are so filled with joy. She says, God hath made me to laugh and rejoice so that all that here will laugh with me. And that's what the name Isaac means, laughter. Um, and, and so it's a beautiful story. Now, what happens with Hagar and Ishmael? Well... Uh, Sarah weans the child and, and something happens, something takes place in verse 9 through 10. Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which she had borne to Abraham, mocking. Wherefore, she said to Abraham, cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. Uh, Abraham holds a feast after Isaac is weaned and he sees this 13, 14 year old boy mocking uh, mocking Sarah and, and this child, and so she kicks them out. And it's a very grievous thing to Abraham, but God reassures him to listen to Sarah. And God takes care of Hagar and Ishmael and, and promises you know, blessings for them, but, but he sends them away. Uh, and this was, this was, this was uh, appropriate, because in Isaac shall thy seed be called, and he would not be the heir of this promise. So that's an important thing to note. And... and hold in your mind as we, as we continue on. We'll talk about that a little bit later, the, the symbols that are going on here. So they have this son. At, at 90 years old, Sarah has this child. Abraham is 100 years old. And there's great joy. And they spend many years uh, rejoicing as they bring up their son. And I'm sure they, they were very proud of their, their one son here. And Sarah and Abraham both loved him very dearly. But then the time comes for a test. And God puts a test before Abraham in Genesis chapter 22. We read about that. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham, Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. This is incredible. God here now is requiring the sacrifice of the son. 
And Abraham, this faithful man, this father, obeys the voice of the father and, and prepares to sacrifice this son, the son of promise, that they have waited so long for and finally had. Now Isaac at this point would have been in his teens, perhaps. Um, he was old enough to understand what was going on. And so God calls him to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice, the only son, and this was the son that God promised he would bring the promise through and make him many nations. So how was he supposed to bring this promise about and give him a big family and a big lineage if he's asking him now to kill his son? Abraham prepares for this journey. He cuts up some wood for the burnt offering and he takes his servants and they travel for three days and then, and then he sees the mountain where God has led him to and he tells his servants to wait and this shows us the faith of Abraham and his confidence that he had in God. He tells his servants, wait here Isaac and I will go up and worship, and we will come back. Um, and so he takes the wood of the sacrifice and lays it upon Isaac to carry up to this place where he'll be sacrificed. And Isaac looks around and says, here's the, fire, here's the wood and here's the fire, but where is the lamb? And Abraham gives such a striking answer. He says, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. It's an incredible, incredible faith from this man as he takes his son up to be sacrificed. And so there, at the top of the mount, Abraham makes an altar, and he binds Isaac and ties him, and he lays him down on the wood, and he takes out his knife and he stretches his hand out to slay Isaac. And before that blade can touch him, an angel of the Lord calls to him, and God says, Abraham, Abraham. And Abraham, he says, he says I know that you are faithful now because you have, have gone this far. You are, you are willing to do this. And Abraham then lifts up his eyes, and he sees a ram that's caught in a thicket, and he uses that as a sacrifice in place of his son. And, and as Abraham knew and had confidence, God provided himself a sacrifice. And in Genesis 15, we see the angel of the Lord called to Abraham, Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself I have sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore. And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. The sacrifice of the son takes place, and Abraham, the willing father, gives up the son of promise, and God now sees and knows that Abraham is faithful and righteous, and he says, because of this, you will bear this promise, and this promised son would possess his enemies in the gate. This promised son would come through your lineage now, and your, your seed will be multiplied, and you will be blessed. And so God... God confirms it here again and says this is going to pass through your, your family. This is an incredible account, and Abraham is a central figure to the story of the Scriptures, as we see now from that promise in the garden, now focusing on Abraham, and this carrying out through the rest of the Scriptures. Well, what we see in, is we've looked at the story of Abraham now. Now let's look at the New Testament fulfillment of this, the Son of Promise, because these things are a, 
are a shadow of Christ. These things are a symbol of the true story that is being told, and that is God bringing forth His own Son into the world, the Son of Promise, that would be brought forth to be a sacrifice uh, for us all. Now, now, in parallel to Sarah, it was impossible for her by human means and human standards to have a child. She was a 90-year-old woman. It was past her time, the Bible says, to bear children. Long past. And just as that was unnatural and, and impossible by human standards for Sarah to have a child, so was it even more impossible for, and unnatural for a virgin to be with child. Someone who had never even been with a man. And, and somehow she becomes pregnant. Well, it's because this was from God and this was a, the promise from God. And His promise is sure. And that's what happened. In Matthew chapter 1, we read of Mary. She shall bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. God performs this miracle just like he did for Sarah to prove that this was not from human origin. This is something from a higher power. This is something from a spiritual power, not from human abilities. Even though Sarah tried to bring forth uh, Ishmael, this, this son, through Hagar, God said no. That was through their human efforts, but God wanted to prove that this was beyond human efforts. And so with Mary, he does the same thing. And Jesus is born as the true fulfiller of the promise of Abraham. When he's born, uh, or prior to his birth, rather, in Luke chapter 1, we read of Zacharias, the, the father of, of John the Baptist, who is prophesying about this son, this great one that God is bringing into the world that Israel has so long waited for at this point. And notice what he says about this child in Luke 1. He says, God has done this thing to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham. This was God fulfilling the promise and the oath that he made to Abraham way back in Genesis 12 and 15 and 17 and 22. He now fulfills that and brings that forth through Jesus. Jesus is this son of promise that we have been reading about this whole time. And when God was talking about Abraham's seed being blessed, he was talking about one specific person. And that person is Jesus Christ. Galatians chapter 3 makes this clear in verse 16 and 17. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. And he saith not, and to seeds, as of many, plural, he's not speaking in plural terms, but as of one, singular, to thy seed, which is Christ. Paul is pointing out the very specific language that God used when he made this promise to Abraham. And he says he was talking about one person, and God always had Jesus in mind when he made that covenant with, with Abraham. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 400 years, 430 years after this event with Abraham, the law came into place, and Moses brought that. But God made that promise before the law was even given, and the law is not able to nullify this promise that God made, that it should make the promise of none effect. The, the promise is far superior to the law, and, and God knew that He was bringing Christ through this great oath and this great promise. And I think Abraham understood that too. In John 8, Jesus says, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Abraham understood there was something more at play here. 
than just his own son, Isaac. He saw the day of Christ and was glad for this great promise that God would bring that would be a blessing to all the nations. And just like this promised son, Isaac was sacrificed upon a mount, carried up. He takes the wood of the sacrifice and, and walks up to this mountain to be sacrificed. So Jesus was sacrificed, the son of promise. And we see in Hebrews chapter 9, it gives us a very clear understanding and comparison to these events that took place. And we read of what happened there in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac. And he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. This was the promised son that was going to make nation, a great nation for Abraham. But Abraham had faith and, and he offered up his only son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Abraham's had such great confidence in God being able to raise up his son Isaac from the dead that he was going to carry out this this sacrifice of offering up the, the promised son. He knew with certainty that God was able to raise him up. He said, we will go worship and we will come back. That's how confident Abraham was in God. He knew, and he knew that God said, I'm going to bring you this child, and through him all nations of the earth would be blessed. And Isaac shall thy seed be called. So Abraham knew that even though God was requiring this of him, that, that he was able to raise him from the dead. Now here's the thing, in Abraham going through with this act and completing this action of, of sacrificing and offering up his son, he truly was offered up. He truly was sacrificed. That child was as good as dead. And it says that he, he was raised from the dead. Abraham received his son back in, in a figure. Figuratively speaking, he was good as, as good as dead, but God raised him up off that deathbed. And so the son was resurrected, in a, in a sense. And we see a picture here of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. God, uh, Abraham, knowing that God is able to raise up the promised son. And through his faith and obedience, it was imputed to him for righteousness. And just as Abraham offered up Isaac, Jesus was offered up and slain as a sacrifice. Uh, we read that Abraham knew that God was able to raise him up. And this was a picture of that promised son the father giving up the promised son knowing that he would be raised up again from death. And remember when Isaac asked about, he says, where, here's the wood and here's the fire, but where is the lamb? And Abraham says something striking, God would provide himself a lamb. And truly God did provide himself in the flesh as the lamb. Peter says in 1 Peter 19, but with the precious blood of Christ as, a, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. God was doing all these things and showing these things in the story of Abraham and Isaac to show the story of Jesus. That's the real story that's at play here. The story of the Son of Promise being raised up from the dead, bringing us hope, being a blessing to all the nations, because this was God's plan all along. Remember, when He made that promise to Abraham, He always knew that He was bringing this blessing to all nations through Christ and the message of the Gospel. Paul said that in Galatians chapter 3. And the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the Gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee all nations shall be blessed. That was God preaching the gospel to Abraham. 
And the gospel message is that one would die for the sins of all the people, and now we can have redemption through that blood. And that was God preaching that to Abraham way back when he made that promise in Genesis chapter 12. Acts chapter 13, verse 32 says, And we declare to you glad tidings as the apostles went out and preached, and Paul went and preached this great message of the gospel. He says, We declare glad tidings, uh, how that the promise which was made to the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same to us, their children. In that he raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day I have have begotten thee. Paul said this great glorious message of the gospel that they're now spreading is the fact that God raised up his own son and fulfilled this promise that he made to to the fathers. He has brought this about to pass. Romans chapter 1, 4 through 5. Jesus in the resurrection was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for His name." So Jesus now, the, the message of the, of the gospel, this great commission that was given to the apostles to go and teach all nations, is tied up and bound up into this promise that God made to Abraham way back when, that, that Christ would be a blessing to all nations. And now anyone and everyone can participate in this cleansing blood and be made a child of the promise. And that's what we need to know about this story as well. Because we think about these events, we can see the connections here between Abraham and Isaac and God the Father and Christ the Son and and how these things played out and the true story that's at play here. But what does this story have to do with you and I? Why is this so important for us to to know and understand? Well, there's several things. And we'll, we'll talk about a few. First, we need to understand how to be children of the promise. In Romans chapter 4, the Bible says, in being fully persuaded, speaking of of Abraham, he was fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. God promised it. Abraham knew that God was going to carry that out. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. It was counted to him as righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake, for Abraham's sake, that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. The Bible makes it clear. Paul says here in Romans chapter 4, this story of Abraham isn't just about Abraham. It's about you and me. It was, it, it was imputed to him for righteousness for even our own sake so that if we believe in Christ, we will be justified again. When we read about Abraham and his faith and obedience to God, it's written for our sake. And if we believe in the sacrifice and a promise, and act in the appropriate faith, we can be accounted as righteous through Christ. But how? Well, we have to be born. Born into the promise. Uh, Recall in the story that we read about Sarah trying to bring forth uh, this son of promise through fleshly means with Hagar. This was a child of bondage. The woman was a servant and her child was a child of bondage. On the other hand, you have Sarah, who is a free woman, having this child from promise of God. And that child is freeborn. And so you have the the bondwoman and the free woman. Um, This is a picture, and this is representing a very powerful image of being born through the power of God into true freedom. Because if we're born through the power of God, we are truly uh, children of freedom. And there's a difference between fleshly means, Ishmael, and the spiritual means, which is Isaac. 
And the way we become children of the promise is we have to be born into the promise. And, and that sounds like, well, I've, I've already been born into the family I'm born in. How do I know if I'm part of the promise? What if I'm already born? That's the question that Nicodemus had to Jesus in John chapter 3. And Jesus answers it. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, think Ishmael, is flesh. Fleshly means. That which is born of the Spirit, something of a spiritual means, is spiritual. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound of it, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. It's interesting that he, that he calls to mind the wind. The wind goes where it wants and does what it wants. It's free. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You are free. And we have true freedom. But to be born into this lineage, we have to be born into the family of Abraham and born into this freedom. And we also, just like all the lineage of Abraham had the sign of the covenant, we must have the sign of the covenant that, that God has given to Abraham, and that is circumcision. But if we're born into a spiritual power, that also means that this is a spiritual circumcision. And that's exactly what the Bible teaches, Colossians chapter 2. In whom also, when you're baptized into Christ, when, when we are born again of the Spirit, we're raised up as children of freedom, children of the kingdom, what also takes place is a circumcision. In whom also you are circumcised, with the circumcision made without hands, something spiritual, in putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with Him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised Him from the dead. If you're born into this lineage of freedom, you've also been circumcised to show, uh, because when you go through this process of being born of water and the Spirit, we're born again through the Spirit as children of the promise, and we receive a spiritual form of circumcision as an indicator that we are part of the covenant of Christ. And this makes us to be counted as part of Abraham's lineage and inheritors of the great promise that God made to Abraham of these blessings. Galatians 3, 26-29, For you are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female. You are all one in Christ. And if you be Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. How beautiful is that and how wonderful is that? That you and I, because of being baptized into Christ, being washed by His blood, receiving the circumcision, being raised up as reborn children of the promise and of the kingdom, are now Abraham's lineage and part of his family that are going to receive these great blessings that, he, that God had promised to him. And we receive that all through Jesus. It's beautiful and it's an amazing story. Um, there's nothing else like it, and there's no better story that could ever be told. Um, and, and people from all nations, it doesn't matter if you're Jew or Greek, doesn't matter if you're bond or free, doesn't matter who you are or where you're from, anyone from all nations can come and be part of this great blessing. And, and many will come from all nations to be part of this blessing. In Matthew 8, Jesus describing the end, He says unto you that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. <clears throat> what, a, what a great joy and great glory. But there's more for us to understand. 
Yes, we can be partakers of this, children of the promise, but we can also fail the grace of God if we're not careful. The children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Why? Why are the children of the kingdom cast out? Well, because they're no longer children of the promise. They have become children of bondage. And we can also become children of bondage because, again, remember the story of Sarah and Abraham uh, and, and Hagar, Sarah and Hagar. It's, it's about freedom and it's about bondage. And that's what Paul says in Galatians 4. Thus it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who was of the bondwoman was born after the flesh, but he of the free woman by promise. Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants, the one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth the bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia and answers and corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is, and is in bondage with her children. But Jerusalem, which, above is, uh, which is above, is free, which is the mother of us all. So Paul here talks about this. This, this allegory between these two about freedom and bondage. Now think back to that story. Do you think Hagar was a bit prideful because she was able to have Abraham's child? I think she was. She was despised. She despised her mistress. Um, do you think Israel or Ishmael rather was a bit arrogant because he thought, I'm the son of promise. I'm Abraham's only son. And he was for 13 years, 14 years. And he mocked Isaac, didn't he, when he was born? Surely they thought they had it made until one day they were cast out of Abraham's family. The descendants of Abraham, as time and history goes on, built up to the same type of confidence in their physical lineage. And they were sure that they were free. They were sure that they were children of the kingdom. They were sure that they had salvation. And Jesus warned about this, or John, rather, warned about this attitude. When he, became, when he came preaching about this one true son of promise, who the story's been about the whole time, he says the kingdom is at hand, and he warns the Pharisees and the people of Israel not to think so highly of their lineage. He says in Luke 3, 8-9, Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance, and begin not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. These, these people, the, the Jews, the descendants of Abraham said, well, Abraham's our father. Don't you think Isaac thought that? Or Ishmael, rather? Don't you think Ishmael thought the same thing? I'm the son of promise. And then guess what? He's cast out. And, and the son is not heir with the son of freedom. Jesus taught about this. Again, rebuking the Pharisees about their attitude and their lineage. John 8, 31-37. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Again, exactly what we've been talking about, being children of freedom, not children of bondage. The truth would make you free. And they answered him, We be Abraham's seed. And we're never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, you shall be made free? They're like, we're already free. What are you talking about? Jesus verily answered, or answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin. And the servant abides not in the house forever, but the son abides forever. He's referencing the story of Abraham. And, and with Hagar and Ishmael and with Isaac, the son of bondage is cast out. He cannot abide in the house forever. 
he's cast away because he's a servant, because he's a child of a servant. And if we're the servants of sin, Jesus says we'll be cast out too. We won't abide in the house with the true son of promise, but we'll be cast away. If the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. If you're made free by the son and your sins are forgiven and you are following Christ, then you are free indeed and you can remain in the house with the son of promise. I know that you are Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Because the word had no place in them, they wanted to kill Christ and they were truly, though they were physical descendants of Abraham, they were not truly children of the promise. And that's what Jesus is getting these Jews to understand. And I think it's important for us to understand this part of the story because we need to be sure that we are bringing forth good fruit because we are disciples and His word has place in us and not because we're overconfident that we're the children of promise. Don't think because your parents or generations before you were in Christ and were members of the church that somehow you inherit righteousness. We don't. That's not how it works. We cannot count as our family, on our family lineage as a means of salvation. It didn't work for Ishmael. It didn't work for the Jews. It didn't work for these Pharisees. And it's not going to work for us. On the other hand, if we didn't grow up in the church and, and we didn't have family in Christ and we may be first-generation Christians that are, that, are, that are in Christ and children of the promise, if we think that because we've been baptized and then we're done and we've got it made, that's not good either. We're in just as much danger. We need to, doesn't matter what our situation is, we need to be producing good fruit because our actions are born out of true faith in Christ. If we're living in sin, we are children of bondage and are not free the way we think we are. We don't have true freedom. So brethren, think about this story with Abraham. Think about this, this, these wonderful symbols and these pictures that are displayed here in the story of Abraham and the son of promise and in the story of Jesus. And put yourself in the story now and ask and think, are you truly a child of freedom? Or are you a child of bondage? Be sure that you're among the children of, of freedom by being in Christ so that you can live a life of, of holiness, so that you can live a quiet and peaceable life, so you can serve Him in righteousness all the days of your life, so that one day when Christ comes back and takes us home and, and gathers up the kingdom to the Father, we can sit down with Abraham. We can sit down with Isaac. We can sit down with Jacob in the kingdom and dine with them. That's where we want to be. Um, and, and we want to be there rejoicing with the seed of Abraham. Because brethren, if we're in Christ, we are the children of the promise. Galatians chapter 4, 27. For it is written, Rejoice, thou barren that bearest not. Break forth and cry, thou that travailest not. For the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. If you have sin in your life that you need to repent of because you're in bondage, you're living in bondage as a child of bondage, take heed so that you be not cast out. Take heed so that you can abide in the house forever with the Son of Promise. Repent. Come to Him. Let Him cleanse your sins. He stands ready to cleanse and to forgive standing at the right hand of the throne of God, making intercession for us, helping us with all of our weaknesses and all of our failures so that we can stand before Him righteous and, and be in that place as the children of the promise. 
And if, and if you aren't even a member of the kingdom and haven't been baptized into Christ, become a child of freedom. Become a child of the promise. Be born of the Spirit and be baptized into Christ. And rejoice with your family, the children of the promise. We stand ready to help anyone that has a need as we stand and we sing this song. We hope you enjoyed this teaching from God's Word. If there's anything we can do to help you in your walk with Christ, send us a message at facebook.com slash cfcnwa. To find more sermons, look for us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and like our Facebook page. Thanks for listening, and God bless.